Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the Kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. come before you this morning to join with the saints of Revelation in a new song singing, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on earth. We join with all the saints before us in singing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And like the psalmist, we cry out, search us, O God, and know our hearts. Try us and know our thoughts and see if there be any grievous or wicked way in us. And Lord, that you may lead us into the way everlasting. For Father, we still are a fallen people that fight with the presence of sin. And Lord, as we recognize that, we marvel that even when we do fall, when we do find ourselves weak, that we can cry out, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If we were to count them, they would be more than the sand. I'm awake and still with you. Father, for you do not leave us nor forsake us. Father, we thank you for your spirit. And we pray for your Holy Spirit to refresh our spirits this morning. And as the deer pants for flowing stream, as the psalmist writes, so may our soul thirst for you, the living God. Fill us with that living water. Hear our prayer this morning. Open up our hearts to your precious word. May we treasure it. May we hold it dear. And Father, may we apply it as we obey your word. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, the one who bore our guilt and disarmed all the powers. We pray. And God's people said, Amen. We have a good God. He loves us, desires for us to be holy as He is holy. I don't think in this time that we'll ever be able to comprehend the love of God and how much He loves us. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Galatians chapter 5. And today we're going to finish chapter 5 and begin chapter 6 of that book. In chapter 5, Paul had finished his defense of the gospel in which he states that we're made right with God, not by producing our own righteousness and through obeying the Mosaic law, but by grace through faith alone. And what you and I need to understand is Paul is defending here, and he wants the church of Galatia to understand, is that salvation comes through the promise of God, first given to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3 after the fall. And then it was established through the family of Abraham, and is accomplished by the work of Christ, and it's delivered through the Holy Spirit. And laying down that historical and doctrinal foundation he stated in Galatians 5.1 that for freedom, Christ has set us free, so stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And then he warns them 
about the danger of unfettered freedom in verse 13 of chapter 5 when he wrote, Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And in here, Paul is now bringing this all together, tying it together in his defense against the Judaizers. You might remember the Judaizers were the one that's saying, accepting Christ or Christ's work was not enough. You must also be circumcised and obey the law of Moses. And this was the argument of the Judaizers. For they would say, without the law to regulate your life and conduct, what would keep you from living any way you want? If life is just about grace, then we have all the grace we need. And if we're saved by grace, then we can do anything that we want. And to be honest, we have many people who profess Christ today who live their life if that is true. However, Paul has been teaching that that's not the gospel. The gospel is not carte blanche to live your life any way that you want. And that's what we've been exploring here as we've been opening up this book. If we were free from observing many of the ceremonial and civil laws, their question, the Judaizers, is what keeps people from lawlessness? Is it the purpose of the law to restrain evil? We know what happens without the rule of law in society or even without some type of outside influence to help govern our lives and self-control. Many of us are aware that freedom can easily be abused, do we not? All of us have experienced that in some way. The pull to legalism is very, very strong, even for those that profess Christ and even in gospel-centered churches. Rules and regulations strengthen our confidence that we are accepted by God. And hence why you would say, why does anyone put themselves under churches that are so legalistic? Well, because there's strength in there. There's a confidence in there. Scripture tells us, though, that that is contrary to the gospel. Scripture tells us that to trust in rules and regulation for salvation or for keeping our salvation does not lead to life, but it leads to slavery. And I can understand the desire for some guidelines. I understand the desire for those types of things. They are helpful. Without them, how does one keep oneself holy and pure as he's called us to do? Yet we are saved by grace. And that's the gospel that Paul has been defending. And we're saved by grace, not by works, so that no one may boast himself, but boast in that which the Lord has done for us. For it's only through the works of Christ that any of us can be accepted by the Father. Amen? You may ask, was it wrong to live out a disciplined life, to have traditions or to guidelines? No, I don't believe they are. But when it replaces the gospel, then you would find yourself on shaky ground. And that's what was going on in Galatians. And that's what happens to many of us. It's not what Paul is calling for. You cannot accept that observing a set of disciplines, though, will save us. And I've shared my testimony. And growing up, and many times, that's how it felt. It felt like Christian disciplines and, and sets and standards and traditions were things that kept us on the road. And many times, we believed that if we walked outside that, then we were no longer accepted by God. And that is contrary to the gospel. You see, since Christ accomplished what we could not in obeying the law perfectly, we are now called to live in a freedom from producing our own righteousness 
But the struggle to remain holy remains, does it not? We have seen that many ways in what we've been learning in Sunday school and learning here in Galatians. We live in a constant struggle with the remaining presence of sin in our life. That's why he wrote in Galatians chapter 5, if you're there, you can just read real quickly with me in verses 16 and 17, when he says, but I say this, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. You and I understand this. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And we can refer back to Paul's great statement in Romans 7. The things I want to do, I what? I can't or I don't. And the things I want to do, I don't. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Is that not our struggle? Is that not our constant life, it seems like? There's a great conflict and tension in the Christian life. We have a new heart, but old fleshly habits still reside. You and I are saved from the penalty and the power of sin, but yet we are not yet saved from what? The presence of sin is still here. We wait until that day of glorification when salvation is totally secured for us. We're still awaiting deliverance from the presence of sin. And until that time, the mark of a Christian in the midst of that conflict is that they have crucified the flesh while walking by the Spirit. That's where we were two weeks ago. In today's passage, as we look at the end of chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6, Paul's going to give the Galatians instructions on individual and community living. How do you live out when you're still struggling with the flesh, but yet you're to walk in the Spirit? How will that look? See, the great news is God has not left us alone in that walk, in that conflict. As Spirit-filled believers, we're commanded to life-sharing. You hear that words, those words quite a bit, especially in small group on Thursday nights. And I encourage you, if you've never tried small groups on Thursday, it's a great time. It's from 7 to 8, 15, 8, 30 every Thursday. We have men, women, and, and the group for Captivate. I encourage you to do so. But here's something that you and I understand, especially if you've been in church in any length of time or if you've been married in any time. Life sharing is not easy, is it? Life sharing, doing community, living with others is not easy. It's messy. It's disruptive. And it takes hard work, especially with our fleshly habits to seek out our own good. Yet God has called us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so we're going to contrast between the spirit and the fleshly living as we look at living in individual and community life. Take your Bibles in Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 25 through chapter 6, verse 5. He writes here, for if we, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Look at chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Just keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted. Verse 2. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason will be in himself alone, and not his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Father, 
We come before you again as we open your word. We treasure it. Help us to see how treasurable it is. There's responsibility along with the privilege of reading your word. And I pray that your spirit now will begin to do the work. I pray that you'd help me give me the Sam and other to continue to preach this morning. I pray that it would uh, help me tell the difference between those words that are mine and those words that are yours. And Lord, may you just plant them deep into our hearts and may we respond in faith. We pray this in the name of your Son. Amen. I want to give us two instructions that we see there at the end of chapter 5. For Paul says there is a battle going on. There is a war and you need to fight to the point of shedding blood. There may be times where that battle is very easy, but there may be times where you are just shoulder deep into the muck and the mire of fighting against your own flesh. Maybe even this week, well, I can guarantee you, this week you have been in that battle in some respect. That battle may be becoming easier for you, it may be becoming more difficult, or it may be like a seesaw event, but yet you've been in that battle. And he goes on to tell us and gives us two instructions. You need to live by the Spirit. If you live by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the, the, of the flesh or the things of the flesh. And that's our desire. He's imparted us a new heart. We have laid that, work, that groundwork down here in Galatians that all that are of the promise of God have a new spirit in their hearts. So he gives us two instructions. I want to give those to you in verses 25 and verse 26 very quickly. One, he tells us to march in line. And when he writes, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. The if is an expectation. He says, if you are in the Spirit, then you need to follow through. If you are in the Spirit, keep in step. I love that phrase, keep in step. In it, it ought to conjure up the mind of marching. That's what the... The word means, it means marching in step. And anyone here ever been in the army, ROTC or any type of thing where you had a or marching band, anything like that? I, I'm always impressed when I see how they, they're able to march and do those things in time. And that takes some work, does it not? I, I even think of the old films where you see the uh, armies from around different worlds who do the different types of goose stepping and kind of jumping. I think the Indian army has some type of interesting type thing and and you wonder, how in the world do they keep in step? Well, it's simple. They have a leader. They follow. They practice. It's something that becomes second nature to them. For you and I, we need to understand that. So God has called us. He says, listen, you are in a marching band. You are in an army, and you need to march in step. You need to follow the person before you. You need to keep in step. So what we see here is many people think that the Christian life is just some type of little thing that they do on their own. You know, they're, they're just kind of bunkered down in there with their, their grits and their beans and a shotgun, and they're just ready to take on the world all by themselves. But that's not what God calls us to. For the Christian life is really done in community. Christ has not come just to save us, just to save us and us alone, but He's called out a people. We become part of a people. And then he says you need to keep in step. Follow the Holy Spirit. Follow others that are following along, that are following the Spirit. You see, life in the Spirit is not on automatic pilot. We don't get saved and all of a sudden there's just like a little gear that goes and life just goes fancily through. It seems like there's so many people that want to teach that nowadays. And it's so wrong. 
but it's a constant struggle. It's a source of tension. You and I need to march in step following the leader. Let me ask you, who are you keeping march step with today? Is it with the culture? Is it with the world? Is it with whatever they tell you to do? I mean, sometimes you see people who have no opinion, whatever the polls say, right? Don't you hate that about the politicians? They don't want to make a stand until they poll it and find out where everyone else stands. I'm just wanting a leader who says, this is what I believe and here's where I'm going. Isn't that what you're looking for? I'll tell you, give me a man who says, this is what I stand for and I'm ready to go for it. I don't care what anyone else says. That's a man that I'm going to follow. I want to be that type of pastor. I want to be that type of man myself. How about you? Follow where the Lord leads. Nina and I need to march in step. But to march in step, we need to get verse 26 because here's where you and I stop. Here's where you and I stumble. We may be desired to want to do that, but yet we don't. Why? Because we missed verse 26 here. When he says, do not be proud. Look at verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Right there, you describe the majority of relationships, whether they're married or unmarried. Parent, child, employer, employee. This is the thing that prevents us from doing what God has called us to do. Do not be conceited, provoking one another. Do not be self-serving, if I could just put it in my own words. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we're not in competition with each other. If you come into church and you say, boy, say I'm better than that sinner, I'm better than that person, then that's the wrong mindset. If you come in saying, boy, this person is so much better than I am, you're in the wrong mindset. Christ hasn't called us to that. He's called us to march in line and not to let pride get in our way, but to live out what God has called us, to live out in the Spirit. You may ask, how by marching in line and not being prideful, how does that help us in our church community? How does that help us in life sharing? Well, I want to give you the four commands that he tells us. For this is what the church of Galatia is missing. And I believe in many respects, OVBC is missing this to some degree. I want us to ever attain to these four things. We need to understand them. We need to encapsulate them and live them out in our lives. There's four commands in life sharing. The first three we're going to see, are, or the first two is going to help each other, while the other two are reminders of personal responsibility and accountability. The first command we find in verse 1 where he says, you and I are to restore a brother and sister in Christ with gentleness. Let's look at that. Brothers, again, Paul is coming back and he's stating a fact. He's stating a reality, the relationship that he has with them. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore them in a spirit of gentleness. He says to caught, it means to be taken by surprise, to be detected or to anticipate. In other words, there are many times as we go through this life and we're fighting those spirits. And, and you can go back there to chapter 5 and verse 19 and you'll see the works of the flesh. There'll be people in our church, there'll be people in our family that are really struggling with sexual immorality, impurity or sensuality, even idolatry, sorcery, enemy, strife, Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envies, drunkenness, orgies. He says things of that nature. He says in their Christian walk, 
in their Christian life, there are going to be people that are going to be caught. And many times it's caught in the fact that we're surprised by it. I don't think most Christians get up in the morning looking for ways in which they're going to disobey God and fall into sin. Granted, most of us fall ourselves inch by inch, foot by foot, and before you know it, we are mired knee-deep into a tar pit. And what happens when you're in a tar pit? Is there any way to get out of that? No, the more you squirm, the more you swim, the more you pull, what happens? But you and I must remember that Satan is always on the attack for not only each one of us, but also for our brothers and sisters in Christ. The Bible says he's like a roaring lion. First Peter tells us, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You and I are so self-serving, so conceited, so prideful sometimes, and we're walking through life and we think, oh, life is great. Look how well I'm doing, God. And there's Satan there having us Christian snack. You and I walk by saying, boy, I'm glad that's not me. He must have got what he deserved. Be honest, maybe they do deserve it. Maybe they should have been more aware and more sober-minded, but yet they're caught. And each and every one of us, if we're honest with ourselves, recognize that we've been caught in a sin. We've been caught by a struggle. We've been mired in that. And he tells us we need to do it with a spirit of gentleness, speaking of the fruit of the Spirit. Many times I've seen Christians come, and it's been said once before that the Christian army is the only army that shoots its wounded. Have you ever been in a church like that where someone's fallen into sin and then we just prop them up and just take pot shots at them? Maybe you've been one of those people that's been in a church and as soon as something's happened in your life, you've got people pointing fingers at you, whispering behind your back. That's not what God has called us to. Called us to reach out, to restore as He says. For he says, for anyone who's called and changed Christian, you who are spiritual, we're to restore them in that spirit of gentleness. Restoring means rebuilding walls or mending nets. He's bringing us back to the Matthew chapter 18. If we see someone in sin, we're to go to them personally and tell them their sin. Why? So that we can gain a brother, not so that we can go and point out their wrongs, but that we may grab a brother and save him from pain and the agony that he may come to. He says, then if he doesn't listen to you, what are we to do? We're to bring two or more. And if then he doesn't listen, then you're to bring before the church. You know, my goal is that we never have to bring anyone before church discipline because we have such a spirit that we're ready to go to someone who's struggling right then and there and make it a personal matter. We need to be in the business of restoring Christians for one day you may be in that way. He then tells us the second command is not only to restore a brother with gentleness, but we're to keep watch over ourselves. In verse 1, he goes on to end that verse by saying, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. You and I need to understand that we go by the grace of God. So don't get caught up living only for others or neglecting the work of grace in our own life. Many times we find people who just live their lives always for other people. And they never realize the danger they themselves 
are in. We need to recognize our own weakness and to keep ourselves humble and watchful, recognizing that even though we may be helping someone else, we can't be too careful to recognize that we too can fall in a trap of our own making. And sometimes that own making can even be doing good to others. So he tells us, restore, brother, with gentleness. Keep watch over yourself, lest you too be tempted. Many times we are not doing that. We're not examining ourselves. We're not protecting ourselves. But then he goes on to give us a third one. We're to bear each other's burdens. Look at verse 2. He writes, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he's something when he has nothing, he what? deceives himself. We have a lot of fools who are deceived themselves, I think, in the Christian church. He tells us to bear one another's burdens. To bear means to endure, to carry, to pick up, and to support. There are many people today that come into church, and you can see the heaviness on their heart. They may have a mask on, but if we, a few words, a few phrases, maybe to sit down and talk with them we might see that they're carrying a heavy burden. Are you this morning? Maybe you're carrying a heavy burden. Maybe it's the fight with sin. And let me tell you, we need to get past that and understand that we need to help each other in that manner. That burden is a wide range. It could be sin that's in financial, emotional, physical, and weakness. It may not be any sin at all. It may just be a trouble that they're coming through. They're really, really struggling. And really what they really need is a friend. Someone who's just willing to listen. Someone who's willing to come and say, what can I do to help you through this difficult time? This is reminiscent of Christ's promise in Matthew chapter 11. Turn your Bibles, if you would, real quickly to Matthew chapter 11. Verse 28, these great words of Christ. Where he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a great promise from the Savior. But you and I need to be that type of burden also, a burden bearer, I should say. We're to bear, why? So we can fulfill the law of Christ. You may say, well, what's the law of Christ? Well, we see that back in chapter 5, verse 14. Where he says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. As much as you seek your own good, as much as you seek your own comfort, as much, much as you seek your own prosperity, seek that for others. Many times people come into the church and they'll leave and they say, well, I not got nothing out of the service. I find that so sad because church service is not a time to come and get. It's a time to give. The Bible says that he's given each Christian a gift, and that gift is used to build up and edify the church. And here today, you're to build up and you're to be edifying. If anything, you're going to walk away full-handed when you let go of all that you've brought in and you served someone else. That's the church of God. So many times, we're not willing to bear the burdens of someone else. We're not ready to fulfill the law of Christ. Because we're so self-centered and self, uh, self-absorbed. 
And he warns us against conceit and pride in verse 26. We're not to think of ourselves as anything. Because we're nothing. We deceive ourselves. Everyone thinks that they're immune to temptation. Everyone thinks they're immune to falling and to burden. I'm going to tell you that's not so. I bet you would be surprised by how many people, maybe even sitting in front of you or next to you, they have a heavy burden. They have a heavy soul. And yet all they need is someone to reach out and touch them. And you could very well be that one who brings the comfort that God has comforted people with. In the same way, we're to test our own work. We're to test our own work. So God has called us to live community by caring for one another, doing life together, restoring one another, bearing one another's burdens, reaching down and lifting it up and carrying it for a while in any way that we can. But in the same way, he says, you need to take responsibility for yourself. And in that, you test your own work. Look at verse 4. He says, but let each one of you test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will bear his own load. Now where he's going there is he's going, how can you help someone if you yourself are not being helped or if your burden is too heavy? Going back to Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus speaks of the same thing. How can you help someone, whether they're struggling financially or with some burden or even in, a, in an area of sin, if you yourself have not tested your own work, if you yourself have not examined your own? For look at verse 3. He says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eyes? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own? need to understand that so many people when they want to help they come in a judgmental attitude but yet we see that's not what God has called he's called, called in a spirit of gentleness but in the same way how can we help if we're not testing ourselves two men who can't swim cannot help each other from drowning can they they're just going to struggle more and more anyone here ever been a lifeguard what's the first thing they tell the person when they go out there what does the lifeguard say relax Quit struggling. Just let me do the work. And that's the type of people that we need to be many times. Sometimes we need to quit struggling and allow God to send His Spirit and allow other people to come and help us to do life. But yet we need to test our own selves to see if we're ready, if we're prepared. For many of us, we can never help anyone with the spirit of gentleness because we don't have the spirit of gentleness in ourselves. Or we're so mired in our own sin and our own burdens, we're never able to help anyone else. You and I understand that. Nothing breaks my heart when I see a need and find out that I cannot help at that time, whether financially or something else, because of other burdens. Kind of realized this yesterday. We went uh, walking on a men's hike and just telling to myself, I was a mess. I was a mess by the way, at the end of the day. It was three and a half miles in, three and a half miles out. They didn't tell me we were taking the billy goat trail, but that's about what we did. And I tell you, I was coming off a of sickness, so I thought, well, I, I feel better. I'm not in the greatest shape, but I should be able to, to make it. And so I go with my back, you know, I have my Snickers and my water, and we're going. And the first part of it's okay, I'm, I'm burning a little bit in the calves. And before you know it, we hit more of the, 
the riverbed and my thighs are just feeling it. And then all of a sudden I couldn't breathe. And next thing you know, I'm going about 500 feet, if that, and having to stop at every moment. But let me tell you, these guys, as I was trying to pray this, this thing, these people were just stopping every moment. And they would say, you, don't, you okay? Yeah. I remember at one time, there was some time I'm sitting on the rock, and I'm just breathing, and I'm telling you, I'm not quite sure if I can go another moment. But I, I wanted to go to the end. I wanted to get there, because the closer you get, the more you want to do it. I mean, there was one time, I think, it was, I think it was Tony or someone else that grabbed my backpack and said, let me just carry it. It's a great example, bearing my load. Now, the load didn't, wasn't very much, but for me at that point, it's the way I'm walking. I needed it. I remember in sitting town one time, and I'm just breathing. My head's kind of down, and, and all of a sudden, I feel someone just lift the back of my pack up. They didn't take it off, but they just lifted it up, and just cool air was coming down there. I don't know who it was. I didn't have the energy to actually to look back and see. So whoever it was, thank you. And all it did is just relieve a little bit of my shoulder. I'm telling myself, but it was kind of, it's, it's, it's actually kind of embarrassing. But I mean, I was just dying making it there. We finally made it there. We sat down. We had a great devotion. Brandon gave the devotion on being a courageous leader and being that type of man. And I'm just so thankful for all the men that came. But sat down, you know, as I sat down and ate lunch, felt good. And I felt good. And every time they kept saying, well, Rain would say, well, well Dad, we can just stop here and this will be the end. But I knew everybody was ready to go. You know, I just wanted to make the end. And by the time, I felt good. And on the way back, didn't have a problem. I tell you, I, I, on my way back, I was able to see the beauty. I was able to see the canyons. And it's a beautiful place. And you see all the different types of foliage in the creek bed and, and all those types of things. And I remember just one of those times I was walking up this hill and all of a sudden it was like God himself scrolled back the clouds and the sun came in and, and it came on the most beautiful sight the whole time. I crested the hill and there it was, my beautiful car, setting right there, closer than I thought it was going to be. That was the best part of the trip. No, I'm teasing. But I hope you get what I'm trying to share. Is that the trip as difficult as it was for me, and it was difficult, I'll admit. I, it, was, it was tough. I probably shouldn't have gone from my sickness. I probably had a little bit more than I thought. But those men, and I don't know how many men we had there. Thank you, 11. 11 of the men, they made the trip easier for me. And when one of them was wanting to go forward, they went forward, and someone else, even Ethan, come up and just start talking to me. For five, ten minutes, maybe help me get through that next point. That's the Christian life. That's what community is to be about. Why don't we as a church understand that? Why are so many of you facing life, facing the burdens of life alone? Won't you let someone just come and hold that backpack for a moment? Walk alongside you and take your mind off your problems? Or just someone who says, you know what, I can take this, this burden off for a while? That's what God is calling us to. But we're not to boast in that. We're not to boast. We're only to boast in what we did for others. We're not to be taking credit Romans 12, 3 that he read earlier, Dustin read earlier, it says, Through the grace of God given me to every man that is among you, 
were not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly accordingly as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. There's some of you that have greater measure of faith than others. And those of you who have great measure of faith, you need to reach down and help those and teach and guide. And those of us that have lesser measure of faith, we need to get past our pride and allow someone to help. Allow someone to get involved in our lives. As difficult as that can be. We need to care for others in humility. Not for our own self-righteousness and for our own pride, but the fact that God has called us to. But in that, you and I need to understand that we're responsible for our own behavior. Even for those of us that need help every now and then, we are still responsible. I had to make the walk myself. I had to finish myself. We're to support each other, especially in fighting sin against the flesh and sin. However, all of us will stand before God alone. That's when he says to test your own work, for each will have to bear his own load. And so in that, even when those of you who are burdened, even those who are caught in sin, you've got to realize that you're going to have to stand before God one day. And for those of you who are giving help, it's not out of pride, but recognizing that we stand before God and He will just bring bare all of our attitudes and our hearts. Let me share with you, the command to walk by the Spirit is an imposing task for many. Some may find walking in the Spirit an easy task. To others, it's going to be daunting. It's going to be overwhelming. Rather than be conceited by our success or prideful of our achievements or disdainful of others' weaknesses or even envious of others' victory, you and I are to help each other in the Christian life. Concern for each other is a mark of true Christianity. Concern for each other is a mark of true Christianity. This is what he's called us to do in John chapter 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Very simple, right? Let me ask you, do you love Jesus? You'll say yes, and he says, then keep my commandments. But then listen what else he says. He says, a new commandment I give to you in John chapter 13, that you what? Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let me break this down very quickly. How will you and I know if, if we here in the body are Christians? By our crucifying the flesh and living by the Spirit, by obeying the commands of God. That's how you and I tell whether or not our profession of faith is real. But you may say, well, how then will those outside the church, those who are not Christian, maybe they're visiting or we're interacting, how will they know we are Christians? They'll know by our love for each other. They'll see there's something else different about that church. There's something else about those two people. Look how much they care and they take care of each other. Look how much involved they are in the life of of that church. There's something different about them. That's the church of God. A church that's marked by obeying the commandments of God and is marked by the world 
as we love each other with something that they cannot comprehend. That's the church of God. That's what he's called us to. Let me ask you, what are the barriers that keep us from this type of life sharing? What is it that's keeping you or me from living this out? Well, they're just the most common things. Pride, a complacency, we just don't care. A lack of empathy, we don't really care. You know, they get what they deserve. Sometimes, many times, our heart. Or maybe a fear of rejection or fear of ridicule. A fear of judgment or a fear of criticism. And a fear, a fear of exposure. And that can go both ways. A fear of exposure. I don't want anyone to know what my burdens are. I don't want anyone to know what sin I struggle with. Because I might be criticized. I might be rejected. Someone may think of me differently. They may not want to be around me. And that's true. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you would not want me to know you as you know yourself? I'll be bold enough to say I wouldn't want you to know my heart and my thoughts as God knows them. Why? Because our heart exposes for who we truly are. And so now you're saying, Rob, you want us to open that up and let people see me for who I am and share with them where I'm struggling, struggling where I'm not satisfied with God? The Bible tells us that we're to supply what's lacking in our faith. How can I ever supply what's lacking in your faith if you never share, if you never open up your heart, if you never let me know what your desires are or, or where you're struggling in your faith? That's what God has called us to do. What's needed for you and I to accomplish that in Orange Villa? The same thing that needs at Galatia. How can we accomplish this life sharing at this type of level? I'm just going to give you three things. I'll let the Spirit do its work, but let me go ahead and prime the pump by giving you three things that you and I need to do to involve this type of following God's Word. One is we need to have concern for each other. You and I, we have a very shallow way of greeting one another. Hello, how are you? And then we kind of go on. We may talk about the game, NASCAR, some politics. We do anything but talk about the things that really hurt us and that we struggle with. And I will admit there's times that are appropriate and there's times that that's inappropriate. Hence why small groups is so important because small groups is a more of appropriate time to share those types of things. Getting together for coffee, and there's one gentleman and a few of you that have been doing that. I appreciate it. Continue to do that. But as much as you do that, you've got to be willing to open up yourself first. So there's got to be a concern. You care for each other. More than whether or not if their head is in your way or if they're sitting in your seat. Is there a true concern? There needs to be a transparency. Again, I've said it many times, and I'll say it again. Church is probably the greatest masquerade ball there is. We all coming in wearing our little mask, right? This is who I am. This is how I feel today. And when people come up to us, we keep those masks on. But yet behind those masks many times are tortured souls. We need to be willing to take that mask down and allow others to see who we really are, to feel what we really feel, to think what we think. We need that type of transparency. We need a desire for holy living. There needs to be a discontent for the way that our lives are. 
Some of us think, well, as long as I'm going to church, as long as I'm doing a little bit of this, then I'm okay. You're not. God's called you to much more than that. In what way are you not being discontent with your life? If you're content with your life, then I think there may be some more checking and praying that you need to do. What are your burdens? What are you caught up in today? And how can we help? That's what God's called us towards. Father, I pray that you'd make this word come alive in our hearts. This is not something that I could just flip a switch and say, now we're going to do this. This is something that your Holy Spirit needs to take now and just pound into our hearts and allow it to do its work. I pray that you would not give us any sleep, any rest, Father, until we wrestle with this truth in your word. Restore a brother that's caught in a fault with a spirit of gentleness to bear one another's burdens. Call us to do this. Enable us to do this. Lord, bring us to this point that we may obey your commandments and fulfill your law. Thank you for enabling us to do this. We pray this in the name of your Son. God's people said, Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.